When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, a.k.a. Brutal Gash, and with me today, repping the seas up in Newcastle, it's Jackson, a.k.a. Rickman Lives. Going on, it's the Usain Bolt move for no a reason. <laughs> yeah, for no one else can see that. except for you boys. For the listeners, that's what's going down. How's it going, guys? Excellent. It's going man. good. Yeah, hey, yeah. and Jackson, it's also appropriate because I believe the name of that move is To the World, To the World, <laughs> To the World, and, and that represents and that represents exactly what we're doing. We are Celtics fans ah. from from the Antipodes, representing To the World. You know. <laughs> What it means to what it means to be a Celtics fan That's in the year twenty eighteen. Outstanding take there. All all meant to be. Thank you. Yeah. Really? We didn't need to rehearse that bit. <laughs> Amazing. Just what are you talking about? We never rehearse anything. Too much quality. <laughs> uh, and of course, all the way from New Zealand, it's our bro in the know. It's Joe, <laughs> aka No Scrolls McFly. How's it going, man? It's going good. It's going good. We actually—I I feel like we should um, at least let the listeners know we had a real interesting discussion about New Zealand geography. <laughs> Early yeah. on, we're already and like an hour into yeah. this call. <laughs> <laughs> and and just maybe, just maybe, if you're really lucky, um, loyal listening audience, you'll get the benefit yeah. of, of 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 take two. Joe actually yeah. told me that he saw a hobbit one time. For real. <laughs> For, I've definitely seen a lot of people who played Hobbits in movies, literally, from my hometown. There's like 50 of them who were extras here. It's hard to tell the difference between the real ones and the fake ones. Yeah, we've all got hairy feet down here, man. Now, look, a special playoff edition for you guys today. Depending on what country you're in, Game 5 is either later today, in which case, happy game day, or sometime tomorrow morning. We're going to go ahead and throw our thoughts and predictions into the hot take microwave. Turn it on and see what comes out. Starting off with some tepid takes and heating it up from there. But first, guys, a quick look back at Game Four: the one or two to one or four loss to the Bucks in Milwaukee. Uh, Joe, what do you think, mate? Well, okay, so this is probably leading into my tepid um, coffee that's been on the on the on the kitchen bench for four <laughs> hours. Take. Um, I I sort of felt like I sort of felt like. There was a bit of chat about, you know, the adjustments that we made in the second half of Game 4. I didn't really feel so much like it was like an adjustment. It was more like we played, we were able to play like how we normally play because the Bucks kind of, their energy levels dropped a little and they allowed us to play that way. You know, they, they were so physical, man. And they, like there were so many instances in the, in the first half of Game 4, we'd go up for a shot and the ball would be slapped away just on jump shots. That sort of aggressiveness takes energy. 
And um, so that's my take. I felt like nothing really changed for us. It's just they just ran out of a little bit of puff in the second half. So there you go. Sip on that cold coffee, team. Oh. <laughs> oh, so tepid, so tepid. So tepid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was looking really grim about midway through the third quarter. This is the last game, wasn't Ooh. it? Particularly after what we went through in, in game three. Um, down by 20 again, you're thinking, oh, Jesus, like, where's where's the inspiration going to come from? Luckily, we've got a guy called Jalen Brown, a.k.a. Michael Jordan Jr. Uh, or Michael Jr., Jordan Sr., who, whichever narrative you subscribe to. Who had an he absolute, is his father, I'm told. Exactly, yeah. He had an absolute tear. <laughs> And he really almost single-handedly got us uh, back into it. Just fell short, though. So I guess without really leading into my tepid take, but here it is nonetheless, is uh, that the Bucks? I don't think they're going to get a lot out of their backups. And when I say their backups, really this whole se- series for the Bucks has been about Giannis and Chris Middleton. And I'll talk about Chris Middleton a little bit later. But I feel, particularly in the Garden, Bucks support cast have just been more or less non-existent. And I think the the person who epitomizes their struggles has been uh, Eric, a.k.a. Drew Bledsoe. I'm expecting him to get booed a shitload. I'm expecting him to look frustrated. I'm expecting his shot not to fall. I'm expecting Scary Terry to show up and take back some of the... Some of the Whatever was stolen from him, I guess, from games three and four in Milwaukee. He did not look himself to only shooting 28.6 and 25% respectively. So I'm looking for a, uh, a, a, duality, a duality of Scary Terry playing fantastic and Drew Bledsoe playing like crap. That's my template. Yeah, that, that's fair. I'll, I'll do the same thing and, and reach back into to game four and use it to segue into my, my tap and take for game five and... You sort of you, you sort of said it already there, Jackson. But Terry Rozier, he shot two for ten from three, three for twelve overall, uh, ten points, eight assists, which you know on paper look good. Finished plus four overall, but uh, right up until the sort of the, the, the key dying moments of the game, like he was cold, so so cold, and he missed like some really like clean open shots uh, that he really should have made. My my tepid take for game five to sort of extend to what you've already said there, Jackson, is that Rogier will and has to step up. He, w- he will be the, the scarier version of uh, Scary Terry that we all expect him to be. And really, if we're going to win this game, then that's exactly what we need him to be. So I, I expect him to score around the sort of the 20-point region uh, and get up close to double-digit assists as well and just um, bring back some of the tenacity defensively as well and just sort of bring it back to to uh, Bledsoe there. I, it's interesting the the ho- he's been sort of embroiled in this like playoff narrative and that happens every playoff series but I, I don't think it's something that that Terry Rogier has been involved in before where it sort of extends beyond the on-court stuff to, to being in the press and in you know the media and in forums like Reddit and, and whatnot where this whole like who is Terry Rogier like the back and forth between him and Bledsoe it's not like a controversy that he's sort of been involved in before as a player um, and he's never really had to be under the spotlight in that sense. And I, I think that might be getting in his head a little bit, especially when you combine the sort of the raucous Milwaukee crowd. Um, so heading back home to Boston, I expect him to sort of break out of that mold and, um, and, and get back to his usual scary self. Yeah, I mean, if he shoots four for 10, um, the game's very different. It just has a different feel, you know, like instead of being down by 15 at the half, we're down by 10. All of those things have a real knock-on effect, you know. Um, and I, I was just going to say, have you guys? Um, I, I'm assuming you guys follow Danger Cat. He's he's my favourite follow, I guess, on Celtics Twitter. And 
He yeah. he's made reference a little bit to um, what do you call it? Sheen's law. Have you guys seen 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 that? No, uh, I haven't. Please, in, oh, please anyway. Okay, so so <laughs> I, hopefully I haven't got the wrong guys. It's like Sam Sheehan and Sam Packard, and I I'm get them get them mixed up. But Sheehan's law is like all the adjustments in the playoffs. They don't actually that we talk about. They don't actually make much of a difference. What actually makes a difference is who makes the most threes, and um, you know. There's a bit of a tautology there, you know, because sometimes the adjustments lead to the threes, right? But he's still kind of right in that, in that, you know, like if Rosier makes those threes, you know, he had some real good looks in the first quarter. It's just a different feel to the game. And, and strategically, um, sorry, I shouldn't say strategically, but the game just has a different emotional kind of contour to it. Yeah, you, you feel like it, it, since he's taken over Kyrie's position as the starting point guard, there's, it must, in some level, he must feel like he has to be almost like the spark plug to the offense. It, it all has to kind of originate from him because it, as it currently stands, without Kyrie, there's no kind of go-to guy. There is, you know, it's really got to be spread around. You know, Horford's obviously going to be reliable, at, you know, with, with his shot. Um, Jalen Brown's been coming on fantastically. Tatum, we know what he can do. But it, it you kind of feel like it starts with Terry Rozier. And if you think if he has a bad start or if he has an off night, then it can have a knock-on effect, like you were saying, Joe, to the rest of the team. So I would love to him just to hit his first one or two shots, and then when that starts happening, look to dish the ball, look to dish the ball, and get it to other guys. And I think if that happens, we can probably sit fairly, fairly confidently that we're going to get the win for Game Five. Yeah, I completely agree, and you, you saw that. Like, obviously, he started off cold for the majority of of Game Four. And then Shane Larkin was really involved in that initial run that brought us back close to taking the lead. But then Rogier hit a couple of pretty critical threes. As he uh, tends sort of, to do. Yeah. To be yeah. yeah. But, you know, he also tends to, at least in the regular season and even earlier in this series, hit those threes more consistently earlier in the game to keep us in a winning position throughout the game rather than us having to claw back late yeah. in the game, you know, in a hostile environment. He's a real shooter. He is a for real shooter. He's a legit 40% shooter. He's not a, you know, he's not a fake 40% shooter. He shoots 40% on difficult shots at a reasonable volume. So I've got a lot of faith in him, um, especially at home. So another tepid take I've got looking ahead to game five is that Giannis will definitely launch himself into at least Aaron Baines. Uh, and potentially Horford and, and Semi Ojale. Uh, it's no secret that like part of Giannis's like general strategy to score or get to the line is just to launch himself at a, at a, a high velocity into his defender. Um, would that any worry or concern as to an injury on his part or, or his opponents? Um, maybe a little bit reckless, uh, you know, on the opponent's perspective. Uh, obviously, if you're a Bucks fan and you're, you're loving Giannis, then you're probably all for it. But um, every time he just like jumps into one of our guys, I kind of freak out a little bit because he is a beast. He is a freak, a Greek freak, and um, it scares me a bit. But, you know, uh, tepid take, he, he probably is going to launch himself into several of our guys uh, in Game 5, and that, and that worries me a little bit. Yeah. Well, I suppose when, when, you, when you're an athlete of Giannis's stature and reputation, I guess you could say, your MO really is posterizing people i mean obviously you got to have a lot of other tools to your game really but nothing really gives you you know the 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 top post on nba reddit or <laughs> or or a, a highlights package on espn like a good posterizer so i he's definitely going to look for them he's probably going to get a couple of them but 
I think that's something you kind of have to live with as well, too. And I think Aaron Baines is a big enough boy to, you know, take one of them, take two of them, and look to get his own back in other ways, whether that's a mid-range or whether that's bullying him down low or doing what he can. But, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd buy into that uh, tepid take. Yeah, I don't think it's... it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's he doesn't foul. You know, he uses verticality generally. Mm. Um, and, you know, if, if there's a space jam dunk that happens, well, that's kind of cool for us as fans. <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I think just I think I don't think Baines Baines is has has he's just well drilled and he's just going to challenge the shot correctly and he's going to keep doing it and it's not an easy shot man like Baines is a big dude you got to go around him um, and um, yeah if if Giannis is all about putting trying to put Baines on a poster I think that's good for us yeah and it's good that Baines doesn't give a shit like he clearly doesn't care about ending up on a poster he's probably just happy to to be on. Our poster, whether it be you know on the <laughs> dunking side of things or the dunked on side of things, uh, <laughs> but it's good to have that guy on your team. And Marcus Smart's a little bit um, like that as well, where like they'll just put themselves in a potentially humiliating position for the benefit of or the potential benefit of the team. Um, staying in the tepid takes range before we move on, uh, Greg Monroe. He only played five minutes in Game Four. Um, he, he wasn't giving us much, so it's not really a surprise there. But in the games one and two which we did win, obviously. He was giving us a little bit more, and I expect, and again, this is a tepid take, but I expect Monroe to give us 10 decent minutes and a nice offensive showing, plus maybe a few quality offensive boards like he did earlier in the series. Uh, I think that's going to be uh, paramount to us, you know, getting the win in, in this game. Um, what do you guys think? Any any thoughts on Monroe? I think um, if... Milwaukee starts to get into foul trouble. I think you'll find he gets to the line quite a bit. I mean, Horford certainly did in game one. But um, I think I think if you see Milwaukee rack up a few fouls quite early in the piece, early in each quarter, I think you'd expect to see Munro in there just for the extra physicality. And if they foul him or if they're calling a lot of fouls, and I could see Munro at the line quite a bit. So he might actually have a good scoring game, maybe mostly from the free throw line. But um, yeah, I would definitely, I would hope for a better performance. But um, more minutes is something I, I think we could definitely subscribe to. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, interesting to see how the game game flows. I, I felt I, I was surprised. I thought Monroe would have been a real good option when the game got chippy, like it was, and uh, and it sort of seemed like it wasn't. Like I think he he when we're playing well, he's going to play well. I, I sort of feel like he's. It seems like his offense is a little more contingent on the rest of of us. He's 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 continued to struggle around the rim. And um, we really, really need him to finish uh, finish the air at a high percentage because um, th- those are run stoppers, you know. When when it gets into Monroe, it's going to be late in the clock and, and we kind of, and, and it's with the bench, often there's a run against our bench, right? Um, and yeah, we just really need him to miss, make a few of those bunnies that he's been missing. Mm. Yeah, especially off those offensive boards. I do feel like the uh, emergence of Thon Maker has um, like deducted points from the, the Greg Monroe <laughs> column a little bit because you know Maker can stretch the floor, he can hit yeah. those deep shots, um, and Monroe just like can't really like get out to him there, and uh, that that may be you know one of the reasons why he's seen less minutes in the last few games. But um, uh, you know on the other side of that, I do think that Monroe can exploit uh, Maker's size uh, on the offensive side of things for the Celtics. I think that if we can get Maker down in the post. Um, while Maker does have a really good shot blocking ability, I do think that Monroe has the ability to sort of back him down and get him in a position where he can use the rim um, as as a tool to to get a shot up, you know, uh, uncontested. 
Yeah, and shot blocks tend to come from off the ball, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. And if, if 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 makers guarding Monroe, then um, one Monroe is a really good passer, um, and is going to be able to find cutters. But hopefully, like, <laughs> you know, he's actually might become less of a shot blocking threat because precisely because he's guarding Green Monroe. Yeah, and I was going to say probably more to that as well too. Like, I mean, as good as, as many blocks as um, Tom Maker was getting in the, in the last two games, he also shot seventy five percent and forty percent from threes in the last two games too. So he can stretch the floor, and if that happens, then I think that's why we see less of Munro in there. You need someone who's going to be able to get out to him. So um, yeah, hopefully if he does go in and he is in the post, hopefully Munro or Horford or whoever can bully him and can probably try and take that shot away from him the best he can. And hopefully if he misses the first few, then it's a problem yeah. that we won't have to be as mindful of. But I think if he, if, they, if Milwaukee comes out, starts hitting threes early, then I wouldn't say we're in trouble, but I'd say it's gonna, we're going to be up for a fight. I just think it's a classic yeah. home game bump, though, eh? You know, like, role players mm. playing well at home is, is classic, right? Yeah. So, and him hitting those threes, he hasn't done it like consistently through the season. I, there's no reason to expect him to do it. It'd be like if Smart came out and shot three for four. Like, we'd be like, yeah, yeah that's a bonus, but we're not expecting it next game. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, we're going to uh, stir this dish up. We're going to put it back in the hot take microwave. We're going to put it in for another 30 seconds or so, warm <laughs> it up, take it out, and uh, and analyze some some warmer takes. We're elevating this to warm takes. It's hot, so but Jackson, it's still a bit frozen in the middle. That's right. Yeah, we'll, we will be <laughs> putting this back yeah. into the hot take microwave. <laughs> for now, we're sticking with warm. It's a, it's a mid-seasonal friendly dish, maybe your spring, your autumn sort of meal. Um we're looking at warm takes specifically Whoa. here. So, Jackson, um, I want to hear from you first. What, what, is, what is your warmest take? Well, I was I was umming and ahhing between this and the next one, but I am going to nominate this one for the warm one, and it's more opposition-focused. Now, Chris Middleton has had a pretty great, great series against us so far. He's averaging, I mean, his field goal percentage over four games is 60.6. Yeah, he's that's, been that's fairly good. That is fairly good. And I remember there was a there was a moment I think a couple of years ago where like Middleton a Middleton trade was kind of on the cards, and I remember that yeah, sort of being yeah. a bit divisive. I personally hadn't seen enough of him to, you know, get on board with that. But if I had, if that rumor had emerged after a series like this, whether it was against us or not, and I was watching, I would be very very interested in getting him because he's a he's a very very good shooter. However, after given his field goal percentage and his overall performance in the last four games, I'm starting to think that he might be more key to shutting the Bucks down than Giannis. Because I think Giannis, we touched on a little bit beforehand, like Giannis is basically going to get what he wants most of the time. You know, he's got the tools to do it. He's got the athleticism to do it. Without going in a tangent too much, I feel like the refs kind of give him what he wants as well most of the time. Maybe at home that'll be different. But anyway, I feel like if we can get out stop Middleton shooting so remarkably well as he has and we can just hassle him and we can just get in his face and hopefully, you know, the, the crowd can can boo him as much as they do old Drew and they can hopefully try and get into his head. I think if we can take away Middleton's shot and we can lessen his output to the, you know, significantly than we have in the past four games, I think that will more or less take out the rest of the Bucks because, I mean... The two games we've seen at home from Milwaukee, yeah, they had good performances from Jabari Parker, mm-hmm. from Tom Maker, from a few other guys have come in and, you know, hit those points, hit those shots that they weren't getting in games one and two. But Middleton's kind of been central to a lot of things, or he's been like the co-star definitely to Giannis. So I feel like if we can shut down Middleton, at least if we can take it back from 60.6 and try and knock it under 50, it's at the very least, I think that's going to have a big, big say on what kind of the what the offense of uh, Milwaukee looks like? 
Yeah, no, yeah. completely. I, uh, and you know, that actually segues into my own warmest of takes, and that is that Marcus Smart will return in game five. Oh. Release the Cobra, Marcus Smart. And that uh, is, is absolutely uh, vital in the shutting down of one Chris Middleton. Uh, it looks like uh, they brought his uh, thumb appointment back. Uh, with that doctor in New York, whatever his name is, good work. Uh, and he's, his status has been upgraded uh, from doubtful or out or whatever it was to questionable, um, which is the, the best injury-related news <laughs> that we've probably heard all year. Um, so really, to, to feed off of your, your warm take there, Jackson, Marcus Smart returns. He shuts down Chris Middleton. Uh, maybe uh, is a little smarter offensively in terms of running the offense as a, as a backup point guard. Uh, I'm assuming that if we bring Marcus Smart back, that Terry Rozier is still starting at the point guard for us. Um, so I think that has a real a two-pronged effect there. Obviously, it ups our, our defensive capabilities and shutting down guys like Chris Middleton. Uh, but he comes with, and no pun intended here, more smarts on the point guard side of things uh, as opposed to one Shane Larkin, uh, both defensively and offensively. So I really think that's going to bolster our team and, and help us get this win in Game 5. Yeah, Larkin hurts us eh, against, against a team like Milwaukee, which is so big. You know, like we've we, we kind of talked about this a little bit beforehand, but you know, there's quite a few instances where Larkin got switched on to Parker uh, last game. That's not great. Um, Marcus <laughs> Smart switched on to onto Jabari Parker. I can live with. You know, it's not bar- That's not barbecue chicken. You know. Um, yeah, well, yeah. We saw the Millsap Marcus Smart matchup a couple of years ago when we had Atlanta in the first round, and um, you know, it kind of. Gives you the expectation that Smart can, you know, really take anyone defensively. So, uh, yeah, of course, of course, that's the preference. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm similar to you. Um, I, I, I just have a hunch, and I haven't been able to work through the rotation sort of um, rotation plan in my head. I just have this hunch that Ojale is going to play big minutes this game. I think this is. I think this. And I'm going to say I'm going to say Ojale is going to play more than 20 minutes, and I think he's going to get I think he's going to hit double digits. I don't think he's hit double. <laughs> it feels like he's never hit double wow. digits. Wow, warming up the takes points. here, Joe. Because it's, it's that classic yeah. role player bump. I guess that's that might be a little bit warm. I might have to blow on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down have to cool bit. cool that take down a little bit. That's uh, that's beginning to steam somewhat. He, he Always did, uh, blow on the pipe. That's a New Zealand man. <laughs> you guys wouldn't know that. <laughs> for, for, look, in the last game, to, to your credit and to obviously uh, Shemi Ojale's credit, uh, he did have a good sort of four or five possession stretch while we were arresting Al and I think the third quarter where we had gotten it to within 10 and we had like three rookies on the court at once. It was uh, Shemi Ojale, uh, Tatum and, and Yabu, uh, which is just crazy for a playoff game. We managed to keep it under 10, um, and part of that was because of Shemi's defense locking up Giannis for those four or five possessions there while Al got that much-needed rest. So uh, perhaps, you know, like you're sort of saying, that's shown Brad Stevens what his potential is there. If he hasn't already shown us that to this point in the season, um, I definitely think that he's a, he's a critical defensive um like figurehead for us, and he's he's going to be really important inserted into the lineup there, where we need to rest some of our better defensive players like Al Horford. Mm. Yeah, he's just he's. I've thought this is going to be a series, and I've been a little probably a little disappointed um, with him, but he's shown some flashes. You know, he looks more confident, um, which is a function of some of those that end of end of year stretch where the starters were out, and he was able to just play. 
he's looked a lot more relaxed, you know. Um, and he almost had a massive dunk in, I think it was in the second quarter. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Giannis got him. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Ojale, and I think he's going to have a big game. Yeah, I, I think def- game five. I think just jumping on the back of what you're talking about the uh, the end of the the of the regular season when we were getting lots of these backup guys guys lot down the rotation we're getting serious minutes. I think if we can find don't ourselves don't get too hot, Jackson. No, we don't want too hot a no, take. Too, not too hot. No, no, no. I'm keeping. I'm keeping <laughs> it. I'm keeping it on the on the simmer. Um, I think I, I think if we can find ourselves in a situation, not just this series, any p- potential series going into the future, um, I think if we can get to a point where we can nullify or we can lessen the impact of a team starting five, then I think when the bench comes in, at least at home, at least at home, I think we're going to have an advantage. Like statistically, it might not favor us to some of the other benches or maybe not, you know, they haven't been as productive as they as they as we would like them to be. But I just feel, given the extra minutes, given the rotation, given the, the, this year that they've had with Brad Stevens, I just feel, just got a feeling that they're going to come good. Mm. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, was, that, was that non-warm enough for you? Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, we, we can definitely go hotter. We can heat things up from here sure. for sure. Uh, my, my, my final warm take... Uh, and you definitely touched on this before, Jackson, uh, was that the Bucks role players won't perform as well on the road. Uh, so Thonmaker, Jabari Parker, and Bledsoe, I think specifically. Um, and yes, Bledsoe is a starter, but he, he's more of a, a role player than a sort of a marquee guy for them, in my opinion. Uh, these guys won't uh, play at all to their potential at TD Garden uh, as opposed to um, in the Milwaukee arena. So in the past two games... Of all playoff matchups going on at the moment, the Bucks have had the highest bench net rating at 28.3. And for reference there, the past two games, we, the Celtics, have had the 16th overall or last place bench net rating at minus 33.4. Just like I told you it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a great bench. <laughs> yeah, down to the decimal place. Uh, so, and um, uh, comparatively, during during games one and two, the Bucks had... Only the second last place bench net rating at minus 22.2. And obviously those games are at TD Garden, which we're heading back to for game five. Um, So that's obviously going to be very, very helpful. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to throw these takes back in the microwave. We're going to throw them in for a good few minutes. They're going to come out steaming hot. And we're going to be back for the, the hottest of hot takes in just a couple of moments. All right, guys, welcome back. The timer has stopped. Our hot takes are sufficiently heated. Uh, we're serving them to you now. And, and for that, I throw to Jackson for your for your extremely hot take. I might just need a second. I've burnt my finger on uh, on this take here. So just give me <laughs> a second. I'll do my best. All right. So we've seen Jalen Brown have quite a series for the Celtics so far. He's had, I think, what, two career nights in game, what was it, two and four in terms of scoring? So mm. he's been absolutely killing it. My hot take for game five against the Bucks, is that a Celtics player, maybe not necessarily Jalen Brown, maybe not even one Celtics player. I'm going to say either one or two Celtics players are going to have career nights. Whether that means Jalen Brown scores 35 points, 15 rebounds, a couple of assists, maybe that's one thing. Maybe Jason Tatum decides, hey, this is my turn. I'm going to show up. I'm going to score 30 points. I'll, I'll probably scatter shooting a little bit. So let me just streamline this fucking steaming hot take for you right now. <laughs> Two Celtics players are going to score in th- are going to score over 30 points. 
and one of those one of those will equal a career night, and it's going to be a glorious, glorious raining down of threes, jumpers, free throws, you name it. Two guys are going to hit the jackpot, and I think maybe to the maybe instead of seeing Marcus Morris miss that fucking three or miss that shot right at the end of game five, it'll be the type of game where that just goes in. Doesn't matter where he launches from, it'll go to it'll go in the Piper hoop. So I'm looking for two career. I'm looking for a career night from at least one Celtic and at least two of them to go off for thirty plus. Yeah, speaking of Marcus Morris, okay, we have to talk about the end of the quarter brain explosion. All right. Now, I'm going to tell you why it happened. Here's why it happened. All right. This Ooh. is this is this is one of my hot takes. Matthew Delavadova, like any good Australian, saw when the underarm delivery was coming and he swooped in on it. <laughs> he knew that was coming. At the end of the That's Delhi's game, man. <laughs> that is his game. I don't know how he's a basketballer. He just he just gets he's in there to piss people off and pick up the scraps and make timely little bunnies like that. So yeah, maybe MO. we should have had Baines uh, roll that underarmed walk the dog pass because the Aussies, you know, controversially have had success with such a, uh, a maneuver in the past. <laughs> that was our issue. Baines should have been him yeah. down. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's not fit for an American. You need an Australian to roll the ball down the court. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, both are very, very, very spicy hot takes. Um, I am going to cut this out because I don't know how to transition. So I'm just going to write this down. 30, uh, 25. Yep. Both, uh, both quality takes there. My, my hot take is that, and you'll probably be, be pleased to hear this, is that the Celtics will win the next two games. I like uh, it. I like it. It makes me uh, feel good. I'm sure it makes you guys feel good as well. I think we remembered how to play or figured out how to counter the Bucks adjustments uh, about halfway through the third quarter of Game Four. Now you, you said earlier, Joe, that you know it potentially it wasn't so much adjustments on either end, but just that the the Bucks defensive intens- intensity stepped up. Um, either way, I, I think we solved the puzzle to that. Uh, and that will will take that momentum uh, into the next two games. So whether it be us solving the puzzle to the adjustments that they made, or, or just knowing that we need to match or, or exceed their intensity, we we clearly showed that. And it's difficult to come back from twenty down and win a game, but we did come back down from twenty uh, down in a playoff game and, and take the lead briefly there. Um, and I, I got this from the Locked On podcast as well. Uh, was that you know, we lost the game, but we we don't feel bad coming out of it. No, that no, seems to be the general not. consensus. Um, and like I, I was you know laying in bed at you know whatever four a.m. Uh, watching this game because it was an afternoon game in Boston, and you know it ended and we lost. And I kind of just shut the laptop and was like, yeah, that's that's fine. Like we looked good there, and I'm I'm looking forward to to game five and game six. I had, um, yeah. so that's that's my whole take there. That will, that will win these games based on the fact that we've we've shown that we've remembered how to play the game of basketball, particularly against the Milwaukee Bucks. Just super quick on that one, Ben. Yeah, um, I haven't felt down really. I mean, the game three was a bit of a low point because that was a blowout. But yeah, that game oh, yeah. four loss. I mean, despite being down so much and coming back and only just missing out, like it hasn't bothered me or it hasn't made me, you know, question whether this team is good enough to advance, certainly past this round. Um, I think given we have to kind of, we do this a lot, but we have to just step back and see the bigger picture here. No Kyrie, no Gordon, no Tice, no Smart yet. Um, Everything that's gone wrong, everything that's happened so far this season, we find ourselves 2-2 with home court against the seventh seed. Like, 
it's yeah. absolutely not panic stations yet. So I think it, more than anything, anything that goes wrong, I think just keeping a calm head and keeping everything in perspective and just whether it's the fans getting out of control or the players maybe getting a little bit worked up, like things are going to be good regardless. Obviously we want to win, but given the circumstances, I think everyone's just playing it cool, just like they need to be really. Uh, yeah, it's almost eerie, the sense of calm that I feel like most people have about mm. it, right? Like we're not even mad at the riffs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. we're not even mad about the. I mean, we're not even mad about the the um the Jalen Brown missed call. You know, like it's mm. sort of like ah oh, well, you know, we got a few went our way. You know, Tatum was blooming wrestling, Giannis, and we weren't. We weren't. Everyone's just real sweet about it, eh? It's um it is quite odd. I I don't feel anxious about it all. I am with you. I predict it. I think I I said games would go seven. So I guess I'm already out of my prediction. I just feel I'm changing it now, and I also feel like you're right. I feel like this is going to be a six-game, six-game series, and I think we're gonna. I think that's how we're gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like Bucks and six is this meme? Uh, Celtics losing six. six too. Would, that would be yeah. Bucks lose in six would be a nice sort of conclusion yeah. to all of that as a, as a Celtics fan. That would be the brilliant add-on to that meme. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, okay, so my my hot take, and I'm kind of borrowing this a little bit. Um, it was kind of mentioned on the Locked On podcast, but the lasagna is out of the is out of the microwave. It's been heated right through the middle. I've put my fork in the middle of it to test it. It's come out. It is ready to eat. Marcus Smart <laughs> is going to start Game Six. So Whoa! Game okay, five. now we're talking. Marcus Smart is, yeah, Marcus Smart is going to start Game Six. I think. We need Marcus Smart to play game six, and this is. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I think tell Marcus me. Smart's a way. <laughs> I think Marcus Smart's a way better pick and roll player than Rozier, and our yeah. most reliable source of offense throughout the season was Kyrie Horford pick and rolls, and we have been completely starved. When did you mm. last see Horford do a pick and pop three? And, and this is something that's been pointed out on Twitter by Danger Cart um, and others. But I was like, yeah. We need we need Horford um, we need Horford with those pick and pop opportunities and that's why I think we need to start smart and also having Rosier shooting off the bench is advantageous so there we go yeah I, I think you're right about the the pick and roll play like smart is definitely uh, like way more competent in that form of the offense um, I do question his conditioning at this point having been out for a little while and um, whether or not he's able to to play like a, a starting role and start as minutes and, and keep up in the rotation with Horford to be out there to run those plays. Um, or if we bring him off the bench and make sure that he is uh, well-rested and ready to, to play that role later in the game in a more critical situation. Yeah. But certainly that pick-and-roll play is, is something that we're very much needing and something that he's um, like obviously a lot better at than Rogier. So yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a hot take. I feel like just quickly on the on that on that lasagna, nice ready to eat take there from Joe. Um, I, I I do really like the idea of that. I feel and this is obviously why it's a hot take. Uh, Brad doesn't appear to like to upset the the rotations. It seems something he likes to stick with, bring people off the bench. I mean, the outlier to that, I suppose, maybe not the outlier. I haven't done enough research on this, but Gerald Green against the Bulls. Um, round one last year was definitely a shining example of bringing someone else in to make the adjustment to go from there. So I would be surprised if Smart came in, and but I think it is 
just what this team needs. I don't think Milwaukee will be ready for it. I don't think they'll be expecting it. I think it'll be nothing but a great boost to us. And I think, yeah, with the pick and rolls, just his defense in general, what he does add to the offense. And you know what? Let's just hijack on that. Smart shoots 50%. <laughs> What? Oh, yeah. That's what hot yeah. takes yeah, are no. all about. I'm going with it. 50% <laughs> if he starts. Yeah. I need an ice cube. I think I just burnt my mouth on that hot take. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, now, uh, while we're on the hot take uh, sort of side of things, I think that three of Rogier, Horford, Morris, or Tatum, three of those four guys will each have 20 or more points. The Bucks defense uh, will adjust to the power and the ultimate force of Jalen Brown. And other dudes are going to have to step up and, and score the points. Um, like you mentioned earlier, Jackson, Jalen Brown has had like, career-high numbers in two of the past four games. And, you know, it would be silly if the kid from Jerry Maguire and his team didn't adjust accordingly uh, and defend <laughs> Jalen Brown. Uh, so I do think that three of those those guys are going to have to step up and, and score more of the bulk of the points. And, and perhaps 10 or more of the assists to those uh, 20 or more points from those guys will come from Marcus Smart, uh, potentially through the pick and roll play. Who knows? But I think all of those guys are going to have to step up, particularly Rogier. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Uh, now... We're not, we're not going back to the microwave. We're going to the deep fryer. We're, we're going to, to new uh, levels of heat. In fact, we're, we're not even going to the deep fryer. We're, we're, we're heading over to, uh, to Houston, to the launch site, where we're packaging up in a capsule our takes. We're, we're putting them in a rocket. And we're launching them directly into the sun. We're going to <laughs> super spicy hot. Oh, my God, it burns. I can't look at it. Hot takes. This is the final, final segment of our increasingly hotter hot takes uh, predictions podcast. Uh, guys, uh, I'm going to start, if that's okay. Uh, Blow me away Jason- with the heat, mate. I'm ready. All right, uh, let's, let's, let's see. Jason Tatum is going to dunk on Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm yes. going to start that again because I, I messed up his name. Jason Tatum will dunk on Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it will be Hell the yeah. pivotal and most memorable moment of the series and set our course momentum-wise uh, for a win, not just over the Bucks but over Philly in the second round. There you have it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Do you want to nominate a? Do you want to nominate a quarter or a context of the game? Are you just saying he's gonna just throw a, a mean bastard down on Giannis's face? I, I think we're gonna blow them out in the next game, so it's not gonna be a, a a pivotal sort of moment. Maybe that's a, a sub hot take that will blow them out. But um, at, at some point during the game, uh, maybe as like a, a back breaking play, uh, Tatum's just gonna dunk all over all over Giannis, and it's gonna just completely bring the garden crowd alive and it's going to just completely shit on all the hopes and dreams of the Milwaukee fans. That, that's what I've got. Dig it. Yeah. <laughs> my, 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 I enjoyed that description of a hot take. You can't get hotter than the surface of the sun, I guess. Um, Not my, in this solar system. My take, my take is that Rozier will get his vengeance. Terry Rozier will get his vengeance in game six and is going to hit a game winner. Game six. Oh, so it's going to be a close game. A game, game winner will be, be required. Game, I game agree. Six, I think, yeah. I'm not worried. I think tomorrow, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be one of those, like one where you win by 15 points, but it was tight going into the fourth and you just pull away in the last few minutes. I think yeah, it's right. going to, that's, the, that's, that's what I'm picking. But, um, but yeah, I think game six is going to be proper close. Sweet. Jackson. Okay, so this is my thermonuclear take. Now, Stay with me on this one because you might be 
aghast as to what I might say, but just 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 roll with me here. I think, despite my earlier hot take of Jalen Brown, not Jalen Brown, of two Celtics or one Celtic, someone having a career night, two of them going off and having an absolute bonanza. I think we're going to lose this next game. Now, stay whoa. with me. Stay with me. Stay whoa. with me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel like this young team, with everything that's going on with the playoffs situation, every, all of the countless variables that go into place and, and come into fact, I feel like it's starting to get to them. I feel like we're starting to see the limits of this squad in what we can do. And I think that Giannis and Middleton, even though the game plan, the blueprint should be quite clear on what to do on how to beat Milwaukee and that's limit their production. I still feel like Giannis and Middleton are having, you know, kind of career series, I guess you could say. And I can see that continuing. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be a humiliating loss, but I can see them getting the win. Now, that will inevitably lead to a lot of, it's been a nice series, it's been a nice season, we can't possibly win on the road, this is going to derail the season, blah, 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 and we're all going to be a bit somber. But everything we've seen from this Celtics team so far has been about just just trumping adversity, no matter how bad it is. You know, We've talked ad nauseum about Hayward, about Kyrie, about Tice, about the comebacks, about everything we've gone through this season. It's been torturous at times, but it's been utterly euphoric in the others. We're going to drop game five at home. Everyone's going to have the banners and shit ready and the confetti is going to come down. How dumb is it that they let off confetti for games three and four in Milwaukee anyway? Anyway, going forward. They're going <laughs> to rain the confetti and everyone, well, figuratively, in Milwaukee for game five. They're going to say, that's it. We've got them. They can't come over this. They're going to be down. The game is ours. We then take game six in Milwaukee and we blow them out in game seven. And it is just the pinnacle of... No way. How the hell could they do that? Everything says they should lose. They had such a good start to the se- series. It then got flipped on its head. We have a demoralizing loss tomorrow, and everyone is out, and everyone kind of gives up, except for a few. I'd say probably most Celtics fans won't be giving up if it happens, but it's definitely going to be a sense of dread, or it's it's coming to an end real soon. Then watch an epic epic, epic Brad Stevens coaching display in game six. We get a super tight one there, like 85 to 83, and then we come back to the garden and we absolutely blow them away. Marcus Smart shoots 50%. Jalen Brown scores 30, and it's just an abs- it's absolute scenes and scenes for days. So, just to reiterate, the thermonuclear take. Wow. Drops game five. <laughs> everyone writes us off. We then win game six in Milwaukee. We win game seven at home. Can you keep going, please? Like, this quite, a, <laughs> yeah. quite an emotional roller coaster. Hey, you, 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 you wanted, you, I, you, wow. you wanted burning. You wanted thermonuclear. That was the best one I could do. I had, a, I had a bunch of yeah. ones written here that I didn't feel anywhere near as spicy. So I threw in a few um, uh, San Diego Death Reaper fucking chilies or whatever they're called, and I, uh, I pumped it up to, I pumped it up to eleven. And that is my hot take. So, wow, we'll see. Yeah, that the, the heat cannot be measured wow. on it, <laughs> on that take. Uh, obviously, I hope we win tomorrow. Oh, likewise, that you're wrong. likewise. I love. But if you are right, yeah. I look forward to playing that back with uh, like some triumphant backing music uh, to the listeners here uh, and enjoying that 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 narrative, uh, you know, coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Joe, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, <laughs> I haven't even considered the possibility of us losing Game Five, man. And you just took me on a on a journey in time, man. <laughs> this was I, was, I, think, I think you we gotcha. need to get out of the DeLorean and uh, and get back to 1985, where Game Five is yet to be played. <laughs> <laughs> but man, wow! 
Yeah, well, as a Celtics fan, I'll happily go back to '85. Yeah. They were the good old days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean the again thermonuclear take, no doubt. But like, I suppose the half the reason I arrived at that was, you know, I've I've for the last day or two just taken as a given that we're going to win this game because evidence of game one, game two, then versus the evidence of game three, game four for the respective home teams and the home courts and everything that's happening and and whatnot. I just feel like if we were to lose game five, I feel like that would just kind of rock everyone's world and I feel like all the obituaries were written for the Celtics and everyone will be talking about how good Giannis and the Milwaukee team is but I just I, I think the one thing that is still super underrated by everyone except for Celtics fans is just the fight in this team the mongrel in this team and just that they do not give up and I think nothing could be more symbolic of that than a seven game series win that is inclusive of dropping game five at home, staring down the barrel of bucks in six, all the memes, everything's up there to be claimed. And then we take it from them and then we beat them in game seven. And then we're on to the 76ers or whoever. But I think that's. Yeah. That's and even if we lose in seven, at least bucks in six as a meme is dead. Yeah. Let's, regardless. let's end bucks that. Bucks in seven. It doesn't yeah. have the same ring to it. <laughs> uh, also the Hawks took us to seven games in 2008 mm-hmm. in our last championship season. Uh, look how that turned out. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, who knows? Driving. We go to seven games, then we end up with a championship, right? Definitely. Here we go. Definitely, yeah. No, so I'm, I'm, down, I'm down with that. Round one, seven for a championship. So is that your hot, 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 hot take that we're, we're, we're going to win it all? That's what I'm talking about. Talking, talk, talking to Ben. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right amount of hot. By virtue of the fact, the right of the fact hot, it took yeah. us seven games to win our first round series. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. All right, Joe, what do you got? Nah, man. Nah, I got I got nothing to top that. Um, I my my thermonuclear take was already Rosie hitting the game winner. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I have a, a a take so hot that even the most modern of scientific instruments could not detect <laughs> the, the just the pure waves of heat. Uh, here we go. Jalen Brown will never show his tongue on television again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To, to, yeah. Right. To say that. His tongue is abnormally small is maybe the understatement of the century. Uh, I doubt very much like us, like normal human beings, that Jalen Brown is able to enjoy the full flavor spectrum. That man's (laughs) tongue is so small. It looks more like a a lockpicking tool than a tongue. Uh, I genuinely hope that he's okay and that he didn't suffer some sort of tongue-related trauma as a child. What is he picking, man? (laughs) (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about? Not even Jalen Brown with his tiny tongue can taste it. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I'm talking about, right? That there was that play, he hit a three or something, and he yeah, made the mistake, yeah. the critical young, you know, sophomore mistake of sticking that tongue out, which he should have kept inside of his mouth. It was the I, wasn't it the th- the thumbnail on Timmy's uh, like individual player yeah. highlights of Jalen Brown? Yeah, yeah, that's what I knew what you were talking about as soon as he said it. I thought it was a trick of the light. Um, but you know, unfortunately, there aren't multiple angles on it. Um, but don't just leave it, leave it at home, leave the tongue at home. Don't bring it out. That's that's my thermonuclear take. Uh, maybe not where you thought I was going, but um, that just that really surprised me. And you know, like I said, watching the game in the early hours of the morning, maybe some of the the minutia of the game um, that you might pick up on following Twitter and, you know, the game threads and stuff like that. A lot of that passes by because you're quite tired. But the just the the uh, microscopicness 
of his tongue uh, stood out to me. It was it was absurdly small, and I thought worth mentioning on the podcast because I just could not believe um, how disproportionately tiny it was to the rest of his can body that, and to, to like the- objects on the planet Earth. <laughs> like that's down there in the lower region of like you know tiny tiny things that we have seen. Can that be the name of the pod episode, or at least the subtitle? Jalen Brown's microscopic tongue slash hot yeah. takes, or yeah. vice versa. Yeah. yeah, that's that's already my new band's name. But maybe we can call it <laughs> yeah. the podcast as well <laughs> now. Before it's too late. Yeah, takes so hot they register on Jalen Brown's tiny tongue. Maybe that's the <laughs> angle. <laughs> Flip it around. <laughs> All right, so guys, before we wrap this up, I want to get uh, the final take from each of you, the final score prediction for tomorrow or later today's Game 5 against Milwaukee in Boston. Uh, Your score predictions. Joe, what do you think? I'm going for an Anzac Day special of 110.95 to the Celtics. Okay, my prediction has a caveat. I just went on my big emotional thermonuclear take just before, but I also agree, or I also like to subscribe to Joe's. I think it was just about right take earlier that Marcus Smart's going to start. I say if Marcus... Uh, Marcus Brown. I say if Marcus Smart plays in any capacity, it's a 109-103 win for the Celtics. I say if he doesn't play, then my Nostradamus-like vision will come into fruition and we will drop this one 115-107. to 107. Interesting. I've got the Celtics 114, the Bucks 98. I hope I'm right. Yes, please. Uh... I hope all of you guys are right, except for the Nostradamus uh, losing take. Unless it happens, unless it actually the whole thing happens, yeah. <laughs> unless the whole thing happens, in which case, uh, maybe yeah. that'll propel our podcast into uh, a new realm of popularity. Who knows? I feel like I feel like if we lose game five, Jackson, like you're going to be on the hook, bro. <laughs> you're like, I, I <laughs> yeah. feel like it's going to be your fault. Bro. You spoke it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. I was, I was, it was, it was, it was a, uh, it was a roundabout way of hedging my bets. So I, I if we. <laughs> Like if we lost, I could be like, "Hey, I told you so." But then we've got to we've got to win two straight. So yeah, I'm, uh, it's all part I'll of the sweating. plan. I'll be sweating on it. Don't you worry. But yeah, why not? Have the faith. <laughs> all right, and of course we'll be back after the game tomorrow to to rehash all the hot takes. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who and what was right and who and what was wrong, and obviously review the game. Uh, any parting thoughts, guys? Before we uh, before we leave everyone for game five. Let's just hope Enjoy the ride. Game, let's just hope of more of game one and two than we could get three and four. A win. Yes. That'd yes. be nice. <laughs> For me, it's enjoy the ride. This is um this is we're playing with house money. Um yeah. Enjoy enjoy the series. Enjoy being a fan. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Yep, uh, I think that's a good point to leave this on. All right, guys, that just about does it for another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. Looking forward to game five. Uh, I'll definitely be there in the game thread, but all of you Reddit users tomorrow uh, whining about the refs and the Bucks and everything that is going against us and hopefully cheering our team onto a victory. We're going to be back, like I mentioned earlier, after the game to review these hot takes uh, and just review Game 5 in general. Very much looking forward to that. In the meantime, please uh, subscribe to our podcast. Please give us a solid rating, five stars, if you will. Um, And otherwise, we look forward to Game 5 and we look forward to seeing you afterwards. All right, guys. Peace. Peace out.